The Science of On The Money Show. Picked up Clem Hunter's latest book the other day, and it's quite hard to tell them apart because they're all white and they've all got Fox written on the cover. <laughs> um, how many have you written so far? Um, I think this is either 17 or 18, Bruce. So, you know, I mean, I'm not sure um, how many more there are in my soul. Well, well, it depends, on, I suppose, on how many columns you keep writing because yeah. the, the book is 21st century megatrends, perspectives from a fox, and uh, yeah. that's what we've come to expect from, from Clem Sunter. And, and I was going through it and realised that these are the columns that you've been writing, what, over the last year or two, yeah. um, many of which I've read, but it's so nice to see them in book form, which yeah. is a support for old media. I suspect, um, but also how a good column actually doesn't date. How do you yeah. how do you get that right? I don't know, Bruce, <laughs> uh, but because you know you you write things about events at the time, but yeah. you try and put them in the long context of history so that people can refer back to them and just see you know how the future evolved after that event. So I always have a purpose, which is to try and link the event to the long-term scenarios that um, I've been doing with Chantel. Yeah. Chantel is Chantel Ilbury, of course, yeah. who's been your business partner for, for yeah. more than a decade. Absolutely. Um, and, your, and your partner in, in, all, in writing. <laughs> in lots of foxes, yes. In, in like, <laughs> your, your partner in being a fox. Um, when we talk about megatrends, what is the difference between a trend and a megatrend? Because the megatrends are the ones that you specialize in, in terms of your, uh, of your trend watching and your, and, your, and your ability to sort of scenario plan. Yeah, the difference between a trend and a megatrend Bruce, is that trends are in markets, you know, trends are in um, industries. Megatrends are basically global trends that will, as the title suggests, really make the 21st century very different to the previous century or any other century. And the first megatrend is probably the biggest one of all, which is the aging of the world's population. That is going to change everything in this century. Give me a sense of it because we look at the Northern Hemisphere and they've got a particular ageing problem. Uh, We look at uh, developing markets, we look at the African continent, we've got almost the opposite problem. We've got to create opportunities for a billion new people over the next 30 years who are going to be joining us uh, from the loins of their parents. Yeah, but, you know, the the big economies, um, particularly Europe and Japan, are aging. I, I didn't quote the statistic in the book, but I was given a wonderful one the other day. Of all the people who've ever lived beyond the age of 65, 50, 50% are alive today, yeah. including me. And the fact is the human lifespan went from 40 in 1900 to 83 in places like America, so more than doubled. So as a species, we went from a relatively short-lived species um, you know, just over a hundred years ago, to a species that now lives longer than elephants, and yeah, that's changed everything from healthcare in places like uh, Europe and America, which is you know becoming very expensive. But equally, it just means that uh, the another mega trend, which is a steady state economy given that Japan is aging and, and, and Europe and is aging. And there is the, the, the scenario in which we find ourselves, because personally, I'm quite happy with the trend, the first trend, which is uh, a longer life. It's a nice place to be. Thank you very much. I'd like yeah. to enjoy it for as long yes. as possible. Um, um, but the, the consequence of our desire and the, our ability to live longer, courtesy of, of better medical science and, and, and better diet and, and better nutrition, is that we become ultimately longer-term burdens on the societies which we populate. Absolutely. And also... 
if you look at business ideas, Bruce, most really good business ideas are people between the ages of, say, 25 and, and 45. Yes, you occasionally get the idea of, a, uh, of coming uh, from a 50-year-old, but that is where the critical uh, age of innovation lies. And I personally feel that one of the reasons Japan has gone off the boil is because in the 80s, they were still a relatively young population. They produced computer games, just-in-time inventories, zero-defect vehicles, the Walkman, uh, which I wear when I yes, listen yes, to rock and roll. And now, you know, they're simply, I mean, they're not in the same league as South Korea. So, you know, it, it, it makes a big difference when you have... Now, what is then the long-term consequence of this mega trend? Because if there are more people over the age of 65 alive today than have have ever been... What is the stat again? Yeah, that have ever lived. Yeah, the more people alive over 65 today than have ever lived. Yes. That is a frightening statistic because that puts... Sorry, 50% of the people uh, alive today are... Um, yeah, <laughs> who've ever lived? Yeah, not not ever. No. It's it's fifty percent. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. So there are more people alive today than fifty percent who have ever lived over yeah. the age of, yeah. over the age of sixty five. Um, that burden comes in the form of social welfare. That burden comes in a lack of ingenuity. That burden comes in um, the responsibility of a state to keep those people alive because the vast majority of those people also have aren't in a position to look after themselves beyond a certain point. Yeah, and and you know the the, the classic country is going to be uh, China because the one child policy in 1978 means that you've got children of 35 right now, born in 78, 35, um, who are going to be 50 in 15 years' time. And China may well be the first country with more people over 50 than under 50, which will create the same problem that Europe has and and Japan. America's better off because it has a younger population. The 35 to 45 age group's growing. It's more generous on immigration. So Europe is going to be stuck in a 0 to 1% economic growth groove like Japan. But America could get back to the 2 to 3% range. And, of course, Africa has seven of the 10 fastest-growing economies in the world for one reason, which is it's got the younger demographics in the world. But, but it's a continent that has to support that younger demographic, so it needs to become more ingenious, it needs to become more innovative, and it needs to become more creative in order to create the opportunities for this young population. Otherwise, we have a different problem on our hands. Yeah, but, you know, the last... 10 years, I think, has seen the entrepreneurial mm. revolution in Africa. It's just a pity that we're not part, part of, it of it at the moment. I raised your issue with the finance minister the other day, um, and he, he seems quite thawing to the idea. But, boy, you've been beating that entrepreneurial drum for a long time. And it, saying, you know, when we had a political codessa, everybody came to the table, um, and we had to hammer out. And I think that's Clem Hunter's point. You want people who have absolutely no prospect and no hope and no job and no hope of ever getting a job, coming to the table to say, here's my problem, so the people who can create the opportunities can understand the problem better. I mean, surely that's, that's what you, you, you're, 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 you're lobbying for. Absolutely. But what I'm really saying is that to create the space for a new generation of entrepreneurs, we have an economy that's fairly consolidated, Bruce. I mean, it started consolidating with De Beers at the end of the 19th century. And we're not like other African e- economies, which are pioneer economies with the space of the Serengeti for new entrepreneurs. Sure. That's why we need this critical conversation between the captains of industry and people like Pravin Gordon and the government mm. and Trevor Manuel to create this space. Because you look around the world, what are the countries that are doing well? 
they're the ones that promote entrepreneurs. Germany has the best family business system in Europe. Um, they don't have much of a sense of humor, but they've got a great family business system. <laughs> I mean, yeah. uh, China, Ch- China created the space with Deng Xiaoping yeah. uh, and went from our number 100 to number two. And America's always got entrepreneurs. So we've, we've got to understand that. And we most certainly do. So the big mega trend is an aging population. Before we take a breather, give us a sense of the other big mega trend you see. Well, for, for, for me, the other big mega trend, which is, which is why you see despite aging, a high youth unemployment rate in the world is the changing nature of work. And the fact that when I was young, you were told to get good A-levels in my case and go to a nice university in the UK and you get a job. Nowadays, lots of people can't get jobs. Let's pause there and we'll talk about that in just a moment. If you want to talk to Clem Sunter and to me, I'd love you to talk to me too. My guest is Clem Sunter. We're doing the science of the mega trend, the science of, brought to you by Telcom Business Convergence, one solution, one service provider. So, not only do we have ageing populations, but we also have lots of young people coming to certain societies, but work is different. It's no longer as labour intensive as it was. It's no longer a case of going wait down at the docks until somebody else falls off the crane and you can have their job. It becomes very difficult. Places like South Africa have got huge youth unemployment issues. Even the Spanish have got huge unemployment yeah. issues. Yeah, I mean, Spanish unemployment rate, I think, is 50%, which is basically ours. Greece is 58%. Britain is hitting 20%. Um, and the reason is simple, uh, Bruce, is that technology is driven a wage through jobs, as you said, less labour intensive. And, and large companies are now cutting back their permanent staff and subcontracting more and more uh, to other companies uh, because of all the cost of uh, permanent positions. So I don't know why schools aren't adapting their product. And, for example, in the second year before matric, the fi- uh, year before matric, having proper entrepreneurial programs where kids are learned to run real businesses because a lot of those kids are going to have to do just that. They're going to have to learn brand management, personal brand management, how to manage cash flow, how to turn an idea into a commercial product. But it's amazing around the world educational uh, institutions are very hedgehog-like, as I call them. Yes. They, they, they don't adapt to change. And so it's a mega trend, and yet we haven't seen um, a critical adaptation. At some point, though, there will be a, almost a natural sort of switch, I suppose, into back to human ingenuity. You are going to have to survive, and it is going to be up to you and your wits in order to, to succeed rather than become dependent on the corporation, as maybe people in your generation, certainly some in my generation, um, have very fallen into very comfortable jobs and plod along every day. Yeah, and, and it absolutely is going to happen here. And it's one of the points I make is who's really been liberated since 1994? The Afrikaners. Absolutely. Because they had to become entrepreneurs. Mm. And so they produced some of the best companies in the last 20 years. And the same applies to everybody else. When you look at other megatrends, geopolitics, is there a, a megatrend well, w- of geopolitics? Well, the, the, the big megatrend, which, which I had in the book, is that wars will continue. And, uh, you know, right now we have the Ukraine. It could develop into another war. Well, I mean, here we've got John Kerry this evening. You came in here slightly ashen, saying John Kerry is threatening all sorts of things to, against Vladimir Putin and behaving yeah, not like military, the cold, I have to say, yeah. economic. Yeah. But, but it feels a little bit Cold Warish all over again. Absolutely, it does. And it just shows that as as a species, we naturally tend to, um, I don't know, um, confront each other 
um, we have stereotypes of each other. There was a wonderful song by Al Stewart in the 1980s called Russians and Americans. And it just was so beautiful because it just showed how the two nations are so different to one another. With the Russians, those guys who could beat off Napoleon Bonaparte, they could beat off Hitler. They have that long enduring uh, tolerance of very, very uh, extreme conditions. Americans think they are number one. <laughs> so there you have it. You have those two guys now. How, 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 does, the, how does the geopolitics play out? Because America is still the, the, the world's most considerable economic force. Um, yeah. they've, they've dug themselves out of a, a hole of their own making. Um, the, the Chinese are focusing on stabilizing their economy. They have an impressive military might as well. And the Russians like to, to flex military might from time to time too. Those are probably the three big power blocks nowadays. Yeah, but um, in fact, I put it at the introduction uh, of the uh, megatrends, which is the first chapter, that... Uh, Another megatrend now is a post-American world. We are definitely moving into a post-American world where they're not the clear leaders and nobody's replacing them. So actually, in a funny way, we're moving into a more... Uh, dangerous world. Um, because the, the Americans have been the policemen for the, of the world since probably World War II, maybe even a little before. Absolutely. Um, where they've been able to go in and parachute themselves in, and um, not always popularly, but into Kuwait and into Iraq and into Afghanistan and places like that, where they've kind of pretended to maintain law and order. Um, yeah. they've, they're losing the economic might in order to do that. How does that then destabilize the 21st century? Well, it destabilizes it in the sense that, you know, as was said in the 19th century, nations operate out of self-interest. Yeah. And that's it. And, yeah, I mean, we, we, we have, I don't know, is it 200 nations? It's somewhere. And, and they compete against one another and they're never going to stop competing. And occasionally that competition can turn into military competition. And you can see it all over the world now. I mean, the Americans... Okay, they, they, they were crucial in the Second World War. But if you think about it, the Korean War, the Vietnam yeah. War, what they've just been through in Iraq and Afghanistan, they don't really change things for, for, for the better. I mean, South Korea, I have to say, is really good. Yes, that was a big works. contribution. Yes. Yeah. I, mean, I, I look at my lifetime, for example, and my lifetime has been one of relative peace for the last 40-odd years. Um, there have been regional conflicts. So Vietnam, I, I woke up, I, I was born, uh, and my early recollections are of Richard Nixon and Kissinger, and I didn't really understand what was going yes. on. But there, there was a war going on in a place called Vietnam. Conflicts have tended to be regionalized. We haven't had the mega conflicts that have been so destructive through not only the 20th century, but the, the preceding centuries where the world was at war for a very long time. Well, the reason is very simple, is that any global conflict like the Second World War would be very short because it would involve the exchange of nuclear missiles, yes. which would cause more destruction than either the First or the Second World War in, say, one week or, or two weeks. Yeah. And everybody knows that. So that's it's, it's why it's a terribly good deterrent, isn't it? It's a terribly good deterrent, <laughs> but you've got to have the second strike. I mean, that was mm. a very critical thing of the original scenario work by a guy called Herman Kahn, who wrote a book called On Thermonuclear War Thinking the Unthinkable. Uh, he published it in the 50s, and he clearly proved that if the Russians pushed the button first, America wouldn't be able to respond, and that's why. 
America built a second strike response, which which basically means mad, mutually assured yeah. destruction. If you nuke me, I'll nuke you. So let's be sensible. And I, I'm sure this will apply in the case of Ukraine. Yeah, absolutely right. And then, and then so the overall, the, the mega, mega trend, the uber mega trend, if you like, for the 21st century, what does it look like 100 years from now? Nobody's going to blame you if, if you're wrong, incidentally. We're not going to mind. Um, yeah, my, my big fair. thing is that, you know, we, we've had growth since the Industrial Revolution. Think about that, Bruce. That's 200 years. So we all talk growth. We have growth plans. We have have growth... uh, We've come to accept it happens automatically. Companies Mm. have to grow. I personally think that the biggest megatrend of the 21st century, given the fact that we have a finite planet, a finite amount of resources, we have an ageing population, is that the world is going to go X growth and we will not be talking about growth the way we talk about it now, that if you are flat, you're unsuccessful, it's failure. And only if you're growing at 15 to 20% per annum are you successful. It's, it's basically a concept that came with the Industrial Revolution. It's been around for 200 years. Prior to the Industrial Revolution, you owned a pub in the UK, you passed it to your son. You didn't mm. try and own a chain of pubs. Will will foxes still be able to succeed in this environment that you, the scenario that you paint? Oh, yes. Look, small businesses will still be able to grow. It's really the big guys yeah. who are going to find it much more difficult because, you know, they... Uh, they need economic growth generally, uh, but it, for the for the ordinary fox who comes up with a bright new idea, such as a, a non chargeable uh, cell phone, which I think is going to be the next big thing, it has to happen. Yep, it has to happen. Clem Sunter, the fox, this evening on the Money Show with the science of the mega trend. His latest book, Twenty First Century Mega Trends: Perspectives from a Fox, is available in all good bookstores or at any one of his talks.